This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Moment of truth has arrived, folks. Buffalo Bills AFC Championship game coming up on Sunday. It's awesome stuff. What a great time to be a Buffalo Bills fan. What is going on, everyone? Episode 286. Talking Buffalo podcast presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. You'll hear from them later on in the podcast. Big, big ups to all you for tuning in. You know how much I appreciate all of you. If you have not yet subscribed, hit us up. We're on all the podcasting platforms out there. Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. We're out there. Of course, I'm Patrick Moran. You can hit me up on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. So, yeah, here we are. The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's on the line Sunday evening. A trip to the Super Bowl for the winner. Can't believe I'm saying that. In just a minute, I'm going to be joined by one of my favorite guests on this podcast, Aaron Quinn from Cover One Buffalo. And we're going to talk all about it. Again, first AFC Championship appearance for Buffalo in 27 years. Matter of fact, last time the Bills played in the AFC Championship game, it was against the Kansas City Chiefs back in 1994. Buffalo won that game. What are they going to need to do to have history repeat itself? Uh, Aaron and I, we're going to talk about all that. We'll talk about a Bills defense that has been playing a lot like the 2019 Buffalo Bills defense, which is something that definitely is going to be needed in Arrowhead on Sunday, 6.40 p.m., uh, we'll discuss what Josh Allen has to do that he did not do the first time these teams played, which was all the way back week six in Buffalo. Kansas City won that game. Monday Night Football 26-17. Uh, we'll spend some time talking about Patrick Mahomes and his game status, which has been covered all week to the point of nauseam, to be honest with you. Really annoying. Somehow the Bills have went from one of America's great stories to almost an afterthought this week. Aaron and I will both have takes on that. Just so much more. A loaded chat. And again, this is a time where it's just so much fun to be a fan of the Buffalo Bills. What more can you ask for than having an opportunity staring you right dead smack in the face on Sunday? A chance to go to the Super Bowl. It's really here. So anyway, not going to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just get right into it. Here it is, my conversation with recurring guest, friend, and co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast, my man, Aaron Quinn.
Aaron Quinn, Cover One Buffalo podcast, recurring guest, good buddy of mine. Dude, what a time to be alive right now. Literally, obviously, but also figuratively. This is awesome. I can't even try to hide my excitement when it comes to the Bills. Usually I do. I try really hard to be objective, non-biased, and unemotional, but it's impossible right now. It's all I've been thinking about all week is this weekend. I am jacked. I am excited. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Dude, it's cloud nine. Uh, it, it, this week is taking forever to go by. Uh, we're finally at Thursday. I've still got some time to go here. It, it's killing me, the anticipation for this game. Uh, I agree with you. I try to totally remain pretty level-headed on our show. I get a lot of crap because people will be like, hey, Greg's way more confident than you in, in picking the Bills, even though I only picked the Bills to lose twice this year. Usually I'm pretty level-headed with it. I, you know, I look at the ways a team can beat us this week, dude. I have all the confidence in the world. It might be the homerism that I'm drunk on, but I can't wait to kick off this game because I think the Bills are very much in play to be playing in the Super Bowl. And I, I know that sounds lame. Obviously, you only have to win one game, but I don't think this is as easy as maybe Chiefs fans and the national media think it's going to be for them. Oh, no question about that. And we'll talk plenty about that as well. Dude, I'm so stoked for the game and just everything leading up to it this week that I'm not even mad about any political shit, which has probably got to be, that might be for the first time in 10 months where I don't really care what's going on right now. Plus, every time I tweet something that's politically charged, no matter what side of the fence it's on, and I'm not always openly anti-Trump, at least not publicly anyway, but anytime I tweet anything, I lose Twitter followers. But sometimes it's like a rabbit hole that, you need to be willing to go down. If you really got something that's important that you want to say, you know you're going to lose some followers. Some people are going to bitch at you, but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But this week, I don't even give a shit. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't. I think this is a good week for it because regardless of what side of the fence you fall on, I think at least one side isn't mad this week. And that's probably right. the first time we've had that in over a year uh, where both sides are mad at each other constantly. Now just one side's screaming at the other and the other side celebrating that they've got their guy. Right. So I think it's at least my own little bubble of social media has been a little bit more tame here this week, which is nice because, uh, I, I was, I'm not super into the whole inauguration stuff. And, uh, I try to stay kind of out of political Twitter as much as possible and was just looking for bills stuff all day, uh, every day this week. And so it was really nice to not have, necessarily everybody going at each other and sort of, you know, outside of tons of stuff about the inauguration, Twitter was pretty, you know, not super heated political, uh, where I had to mute a bunch of people or anything like that. There's a lot of good bills talk, a lot of hype for this game. And that was nice to have a week off from all that nonsense. No question about it. Like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm full steam ahead. I'm on cloud nine right now. You know, what's funny too is I remember back a couple weeks ago, I had, when I had Joe, Buffalo Wins, he was a guest on the show. And we were, it was right around Christmas time because we were talking about Christmas presents. And he talked about getting some uh, Buffalo Bills 2020 AFC East gear. And we ended up, long story short, got in a fight right on the air because I said, I'm not buying any of that shit. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I don't think it looks good. But I told him and I was only half joking. That might not... If you have Buffalo Bills 2020 division, AFC East divisional championship gear right now, you're one victory away from that being old news. You know what I'm saying? You better well, scratch off the division and put conference on it because that's their one win away from 
that stuff that everyone spent all their money on about a month or so ago coming hot off the truck, people spending their whole paychecks on divisional championship gear, one game away from having conference championship gear. I hear what you're saying. I bought as much of it as I could. I know and you did. If, if they win the <laughs> if they win the uh, conference championship, I guarantee you, I will spend double what I spend <laughs> on the divisional championship. And if they win the Super Bowl, God, my poor wife, uh, she's not going to want to take a look at what I'm spending on Super Bowl gear. I have <laughs> stuff from the '90s that was divisional championships, and those weren't even as impressive back then, right? Because they were just rattling them off. Uh, I think it's still cool, especially with the 2020 stuff because of how long it's been. And, you know, I still have a hat from when they got to the playoffs, a uh, wild card from the drought when they were putting the wild, the patches on, because I think that's cool. I think that sure. you know, having that little piece of history is cool. Um, and it'll, we'll never have with this team, which I think is set up for 10 to 15 years of this type of success. I think Bill's fans need to buckle up for, you know, at deep into January football, uh, we'll never have that first one again, right? This is Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, this era of Buffalo Bills first kind of run into this first division championship. So it, there's a little bit of something extra. I think you can keep those divisional shirts and they're still going to be cool for a long time because it was kind of popping the cherry of success uh, of the Bills, which I think is going to extend here for at least the next decade. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And I'm half joking. I mean, in 25 years, you don't win a division for what was it, 20 years, 25 years, whatever it's 25, been. Yeah. yeah, eat it up, eat it up, man. Let, let me ask you a question because I, I did a show on Tuesday. Have you had, or I know you have had, can you recollect so you and Greg do a show again, and you guys are live on the air. So this is more likely that it happened to you. I'm talking about Greg Thompson, of course, with our Cover One Buffalo podcast. You guys do a show after the Bills games, and then you do one on the week, whether it's Wednesday or Thursday. This week it was Wednesday night. I'll put a link to that, by the way, in the show notes. Excellent Appreciate show. I want everyone to go check that out. But anyway, here, here's my question for you. Can you recall any podcast production disasters that you've had like while you were taping something that went significantly wrong because... I just had one for the first time. I've done them, what, this is episode 286. And I finally ran into something significant on Tuesday. So I'll get into that in a second. But let me ask you, can do you think of anything? It's like you guys are taping. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Something's wrong here. We run into stuff constantly. Uh, for a long time, uh, I was having internet problems. And they would hiccup during the live stream all the time. And I, if you make any mistakes on the internet especially with YouTube where we post a lot of our videos, everyone's going to tell you that yeah. there's mistakes coming. Um, so there's that uh, part of the struggle with live, which I, I do feel bad now for some of the radio guys that used to give a hard time when they would say the wrong guy's name live on air and I'd give them a hard time. Like, well, they don't know their stuff. It happens to us all the time uh, where you're just in the middle of talking about something, use the wrong last name or you mix up names that happens last night. Uh, I was having some trouble staying connected while Greg was talking to our guest, I had to get off my, I had to restart my computer. I like wrote him in the private message. I was like, Hey, I had one question away from it being my turn to talk to him about my side of the ball. I was like, Hey dude, I'm going to reboot my computer real quick. I did that. got it all rebooted, brought it back up, hop back into the live stream. So there's always something going on, man. We've had years before I had Greg as a, a host co-host, I used to have different guys all the time that have worked with cover one throughout the years and they would just 
leave me hanging minutes before the show was going to go live. And I had a bunch of show notes working off of them and then just had to do a show by myself. Uh, their connections wouldn't work. There's been all kinds of nightmares with doing it live, especially that we're not professionals, right? We don't have a professional setup. This is just some dudes hobbying with computers. So a lot of stuff goes wrong all the time. Yeah. Well, on my show on Tuesday, so I, I taped an interview with um, David Tilton. David is part of yeah. uh, the Buffalo Fanatics crew. Yep. Good guy. I've never had him on the show before. And so we had an interview. We went, typical time, run an hour-ish. Went very well. He sounded fantastic. So I use, um, for everyone out there listening, recording software called Zencaster. And I also have a backup externally. Well, I could hear, I have headphones, so I could hear everything in real time. And I didn't hear any issues whatsoever. But when I took the tracks afterwards, I record on separate tracks. My voice, something happened bad on the external, the line into my recorder, and it was nothing but cracking. Now, thank God, thankfully, I had Zencaster, and David's voice sounded perfect. It was like radio studio quality. My voice was, you couldn't even hear it. It was unlegible. You couldn't, you couldn't even understand it. I had a backup track, thank God, because the last thing I wanted to do was have to throw this episode away, because again, David was, was fantastic, and it was a good chat. but. My audio had to come from uh, me talking into my laptop back mic as the backup, and it was shitty. You know, it sounds like you're in an empty hall and you're kind of yelling. You know what? It, you you listen to some podcasts. You hear right. people who don't have any mics, and you could tell. So it's and it's one thing if you if you're by yourself and you sound like that. I think the listener gets used to it. But when you sound like that and your guest sounds like he's in a studio, it just makes a really shitty. Uh, audio experience but anyway sooner or later something like that was going to happen but uh finally happened on tuesday so everyone who did listen and got through it i'm sorry and hopefully uh that won't happen again but anyway moving on tons of bill stuff i don't want to waste too much time here at the top but before we talk about the chiefs um a couple notable things number one brian gable is staying that was something if me and you had this conversation and i'm sure we did a couple weeks ago i don't remember saying anything definitively but I would have bet money that he was going to get one of these head coaching jobs and more specifically the Chargers, but they ended up going to Brandon Staley, which to me was, I don't want to say shocking, but it was definitely surprising. But anyway, so Brian Gable will be back next year. And now it's looking like if, if a Bills coach leaves, it might be Leslie Frazier, who Adam Schefter said on Thursday morning on ESPN that he is very firmly in the mix for the Houston job along with Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City. They've interviewed some other guys, but they haven't made a move yet. And those guys aren't in the playoffs. So if there's nothing to prevent them from hiring them. So that leads people to think that either Beanie or Leslie Frazier are going to get the job. So it's kind of shifted from we might lose Ryan Dable to now we might lose Leslie Frazier. And you've talked him up on this podcast. That I do remember very well. You've said that Leslie Frazier is very deserving of having a head coaching opportunity. So what are your thoughts right now on first on Dable staying and potentially Leslie Frazier leaving. Well, I actually think this makes sense. I think this is how it should have lined up. I do think uh, Frazier, in my opinion, uh, I said it on your podcast and mine a ton, I believe is better set up uh, to have the opportunity first. I think he's had more success as a coordinator. I think he's had the, you know, opportunity to be a head coach. There's a big jump from becoming a 
coordinator to a head coach. And while, you know, I think Dable will be ready for it when his time comes uh, to kind of just come out of nowhere and be a hot coaching candidate. A lot of the time, those guys don't end up being the guy. And, you know, Greg and I talked about it a number of times. There's always going to be a couple of these other names that pop up that you just don't really even aren't on your radar as fans or whatever that get jobs like Dan Campbell, uh, the dude that just took the Colts job. Uh, so some of these guys take some of those jobs away. So I think fans saw the number of jobs that were available and just assumed. And I was right there with you, like the success Brian Dable had here this year with Josh Allen and you hear it in the media over and over again that he's the hottest name in, in the coaching search. I do think the Chargers job was the one that he wanted if it became available and they went with Staley. And, you know, I think that's another uh, equally hot name to Brian Dable uh, this year. You heard a lot about what he was able to do with that Rams defense. So I'm glad it worked out that way. And we at least get to keep Brian Dable for another year because the way you hear Stefan Diggs talk about Dable, the way you hear Josh Allen and the relationship that he and Josh Allen have, do I think that the Bills could get over losing him and still have a good offense and be productive, whether it's an internal hire or bringing somebody else in? Like, yeah, I think ultimately they can get past that. Good teams get past losing coordinators all the time, but I don't want to have to deal with that if we don't have to. Um, and then another sneaky one is it doesn't look like the Bills are going to lose any front office which I think I might have been more prone to say with the, the amount of GM jobs that opened up that we would have lost somebody like a Dan Morgan, Joe Shane, uh, Brian Gaines, you know, Malik Boyd, one of those guys, at, you know, I would have thought was more on some of these teams radar. So if all we lose uh, and the bills lose here this off season is Leslie Frazier, which if I was Leslie, I wouldn't take that Texans job. You can pay me enough money to take that Texans job. I, I would wait. Uh, but this might be his last opportunity, so I, I could see why. If all they lose is Frazier. I think they're able to absorb that. Eric Washington's on this team. He's been a defensive coordinator with the Sean McDermott kind of scheme system uh, in, in Carolina. And Sean McDermott's really the architect behind this. So I think that they would be able to brace and absorb that type of loss a little bit better. Uh, but if they don't lose anybody, man, it's going to be a miracle because this staff has so much talent to not get it plucked in such an exciting year would be, I, I mean, I can't think of many teams that that happens to. Yeah, for sure. And again, there's, they might not lose Leslie Frazier. The Houston might go with the enemy. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. Hopefully that's something we don't have to think about for at least a couple more weeks. Uh, so the Pro Football Writers Association handed out some awards on Thursday. Brandon Bean won Executive of the Year. Deserved. Stefan Diggs uh, made the All-Pro team. I have a little bit of a problem, and maybe you disagree with me on this. So Kevin Stefanski won NFL Head Coach of the Year. And well, again, this is... Uh, these, this is These are not the AP. Right. This is PFWA. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not official AP. This is the Pro Football Writers Association. But still. It's significant enough to sure to warrant a little bit of a discussion or at least get a take from you. Definitely. I don't like that. And I'm not, listen, I think Sean McDermott deserves head coach of the year. I don't care if it's the AP, the PFWA, USA Today, Sports Illustrated. I don't give a shit. I'm not being a homer here on purpose, but I, I get Kevin Stefanski righted the ship. That's what he did. He took a team that had talent to be in the playoffs every year and righted that ship. Credit right. to him. Without question. But I look at two things specifically, and I know it's the criteria is based on the regular season. But they played the New York Jets with half the goddamn roster, pretty much all the receivers out with COVID. Right. You got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt, and you ran the ball 50 times against the Jets. 
that automatic, I mean, you threw the ball 50 times against the Jets. That automatically, run alone there, dude, that disqualifies you in my book, okay? So that, and sure, they did go 11-5, and five, but you know what? Technically, they finished third in their division. Finished third in their division, and that, and again, I know the playoff game doesn't matter. It's based on the regular season, but that loss last week to Kansas City was a horribly coached football game. Bad decisions, bad use of challenges, bad timeouts, bad decision to punt. There's a lot of bad with Stefanski. And when they kicked Pittsburgh's ass, he had nothing to do with that the week before. I'm not right. saying he's not a good coach, and I'm not saying he's not worthy of consideration or shouldn't be near the top. But my take is, he's not the NFL coach of the year to me. Now, maybe you disagree, and maybe I am being a homer. If I am, you let me know. What's your thought? No, I don't think he is. Uh, I think there's probably a conversation for him to be similar to how there's maybe a conversation over who should be the MVP. I think Rogers will be the MVP, uh, but you can make a conversation for Josh Allen. There's a conversation for Patrick Mahomes, right? Sure. I think there's a conversation for Stefanski. What he's done is impressive, but you hit on it, man. Two years ago or uh, a season ago, everybody was putting Cleveland in the Super Bowl before they even took a snap. Like they assembled this super roster and they were just going to, you know, blast off to the AFC championship. Didn't work out that way, but he took over a really good football team, right? Like a lot of talent of a good football team. Yes, they faced adversity. Yes, it was a COVID year. I get all the reasonings why, but everybody dealt with that, right? Everybody dealt with adversity. Everybody dealt with COVID. I think sometimes in these types of awards, especially a coach of the year one, you really have to look at more of the body of war. Like, how did we get to this point, right? And Sean McDermott, I mean, Sean McDermott came in his first year and took a Bills team that hadn't been to the playoffs to the, to the playoffs as well. And he didn't get coach of the year that year uh, for turning around a terrible franchise with a horrible roster and a roster that was in total flux from previous GMs, like just the not very good team kind of patchwork together. That didn't earn him a coach of the year award. And I get it, they didn't win 11 games that year, but sort of if we're using that as a barometer, then I don't know. Sean McDermott now getting the roster in place that he wanted in Buffalo and turning that into a 13 and three football team. And yeah, I guess you're right. The postseason success doesn't matter, but getting that team now to the AFC championship game, like Andy Reid said it in his press conference the other day, like there's without a doubt, Sean McDermott deserves to be coach of the year. And I do think when the AP one comes out, it's got to be Sean McDermott this year. Like you, you just, the type of turnaround that he's done to this franchise has to be accounted for on top of the season success that they've had. All right, let's take a quick break. Want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 shirts. So you guys already know the deal with 26 shirts. They roll out a new Buffalo theme design shirt every two weeks and that shirt is tied into a specific charitable cause and they sell that shirt for 26 bucks. Here's the really cool part about what they do if you didn't already know. For every single shirt sold, a donation is made to that affiliated cause each and every time, each and every shirt. Since opening up their doors for business in 2013, 26 Shirts has now managed to raise and donate over $1 million to these causes. It's just unbelievable. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many deserving people and causes. It's awesome to see. And by the way, these are really outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfy. 
They're sporty to wear. They look great on you. I have a bunch of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. Yeah, so, you know, regarding Stefanski, I don't even know that I'd have him second. I mean, yeah, Matt LaFleur, 13-3 and three with Green Bay. And after that draft, which I thought was, at the time anyway, a horrible draft for the Packers, who knew what the future was going to hold for Aaron Rodgers? He was very unhappy, and they took the quarterback in the first round. So I think he might have done a good job managing egos there. Um, even Rivera from Washington. I mean, they only won seven games, but they won their division, and they were 3-13. and 13. Just a disaster the year before. So... Again, I think Stefanski took over a very talented team and did right the ship. But uh, I don't know. I just, I have a problem with them being a coach of the year. But anyway, (laughs) how hard were you rooting for Cleveland? We're going to transition into some Bills KC stuff here, but how hard were you rooting for Kansas City to lose to Cleveland? Because I almost, I left at, I think it was, what was the score at halftime? 19-3? I think yeah, it was 193. Right yep. I went and did some running around at halftime. I legitimately thought it was over. And when I came back home, Mahomes was hurt and it was 1910. And I, then I watched from there the rest of the game. And uh, I legitimately thought Cleveland was going to win that game, especially when Mahomes was gone and then playing the fourth quarter. I, th- there was a part of me that thought Cleveland was going to win. They got robbed on that Rashad Higgins fumble out of the, the worst rule in all of sports uh, where it turns it over when you fumble in the end zone. I can't, Terrible. Believe, I can't believe that came up in such a big spot. That that was a game-changing moment. Uh, but Cleveland had a number of opportunities. And while I had going into the game, uh, I think a lot of Bills fans were hoping for a Cleveland versus Buffalo matchup for the sake of matching up against a weaker opponent and getting that home football game uh, for the AFC Championship. I had no preference going into this game. Part of me wanted Cleveland, part of me wanted them to win because the similarities to Buffalo, right? Like, uh, as far as franchises go, like, I think that's a good storyline. But there's a, a pretty big part of me that wants the best. And all year long, every national media thing I read or heard when they were talking about, is Josh Allen the MVP? Is this Bills team good? It was always in comparison to Mahomes and the Chiefs. And people just always would say, yeah, the Bills are good, but can they beat KC? Or the Bills are good, but they're not going to beat KC. And so part of me really wanted this challenge for this Bills team um, to be the underdog going into this and to as a, the biggest measuring stick that you can have in the biggest game of their season of the last 20 years is to go up against the number one seed versus the number two seed and prove if you are as good as them. And so during the game, yeah, it would have been cool to see a closer game and a comeback like that happen. I always love watching those kind of big moments where you know where you were uh, to see an upset like that go down. But ultimately at the end of the day, I did want a shot at KC in Kansas city to steal the Lamar hunt trophy back uh, and bring back the Buffalo. I'm going to be honest with you as I thought about it and put perspective on it. I'm not so sure even if Cleveland had won, that it would have been that much of an easier task for Buffalo to, to go to the Super Bowl, regardless, because sure you get, a home game, which is big. It matters. Right. I mean, it definitely matters. I mean, we saw what happened in the Baltimore game. The ball, the, the center couldn't snap the ball to save his life. They they led to a couple false starts, and they said that the crowd has something to do with that. So I'm not saying the crowd doesn't matter. It does matter. But, and plus, you wouldn't be facing Patrick Mahomes, who is arguably the greatest quarterback in the NFL. That said, Cleveland was not a great matchup for Buffalo sure. in terms of they run the ball well. 
okay? They got not one, but two really good running backs. Baker Mayfield has played better, and they got good tight ends. The, Cleveland wasn't an easy matchup. Yeah, and they got Miles, yeah. yeah, Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, maybe the best. You know, that could have been a matchup nightmare. So that we, I think we would have taken in that game for granted and maybe got a little bit overconfident had that happened. Plus one other factor, and Joe and I using him his name again because we fought about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. He has been under the the mindset that he would rather go on the road and play in better conditions and play in Buffalo in shittier conditions because of the way the Bills offense is. Baltimore was the wind was bad. I mean, it wasn't snow. The wind was bad. It could have been worse. But I don't know, and I don't know how it's going to be Sunday. I haven't bothered to look because they're not playing in Buffalo. But bad conditions against the Browns where you can't really throw the football and expose that secondary. I don't know that would be a great matchup. So now in Kansas City, it's not a big deal. But anyway, getting back to what we were talking about at the top, just being in a really good mood and excited, it's a lot of fun to see fans excited. And I'm not even talking about our local fans, our, our Bills Mafia. I'm talking about like celebrities. And one of them is Andy Buckley, a.k.a. David Wallace, CEO of Dunder Mifflin, of course. From the office. He's been chiming in, having a lot of fun. Now, if you watch The Office, um, at the end of season five, we found out that the Buffalo branch, there was a Dunder Mifflin Buffalo branch, got closed. So he's been talking about opening up the branch. I'm going to play a clip for you all. Uh, it just came on a Thursday. You might not have heard it. He's having a little bit of fun. He's talking about other guys in the office being fans of other teams. So I'm going to play that clip. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a serious question for you, Aaron about some national perspective on how this is being covered. But first, here's that clip from David Wallace, CEO, Dunder Mifflin. Hello, gang. David Wallace here from the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company with a special two-part message for the Buffalo Bills. Bills fans around the globe and the great city of Buffalo. First, I made a mistake a number of years ago when I shut down the Dunder Mifflin Buffalo branch, and I am sorry very sorry and i am doing everything i can to reopen it as soon as possible second not everyone at dunder mifflin's a bills fan like me todd packer he's a lifelong chiefs fan kevin malone a diehard packers fan and of course florida stanley hudson loves his buccaneers but i love the bills baby our hopefully soon to reopen buffalo branch we'll be cheering for you we'll be rooting for you good luck have a great game go bills Screw Todd Packer, like in the Chiefs. I can't remember, Aaron. Are you an Office fan? I, I honestly don't remember. I talk with so many people about this show. I lose track. I like The Office. I'm not a fanatic like many people are. It's not my number one show by any means. And I'm one of those idiots, assholes that puts Parks and Recs over The Office <laughs> in terms of best shows ever. Well, Parks and Rec, I don't think it's better than The Office. However, I do think it's right up there with the best comedies ever. Without question. But anyway, the point was, that's fun. And a lot of celebrities and, and just fans are having a good time with it. But, you know, this team is, I don't want to say it's been a Cinderella story because they're 13 and three, man. They've been, I would say they're kind of like the NFL media darlings. Like there's a lot of people that have talked to Bills up for a lot of this year. But when it comes to coverage this week, and I don't know how locked in you've had an opportunity to be, the Bills have kind of felt like an afterthought to me right now. And I know ultimately come Sunday, that ain't going to matter. But admittedly, it kind of annoys the shit out of me. All the talk this week is about two things. Is Patrick Mahomes going to play? 
which for the record he is playing. He's I mean, playing. I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not breaking any, I'm not breaking any news here. Okay. It, if you know me, you know that I have a connection to the chiefs. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm telling you to do this playing. All right. But aside from that, that's been covered ad nauseum. And so is God. I can't believe I'm talking about this yet again, but the 2017 Buffalo bills draft where they could have drafted Patrick Mahomes. And instead they traded down Trey white. You all know all that works. I'm not going to rehash all the details, but that's been, Talked about a lot again this week. Is that annoying you? Just it feels like the Bills are just being an afterthought in this game. They're not the lead dog. They're they're, they're the supporting actors in the AFC Championship game, as far as I'm concerned. Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's annoying the shit out of me. I uh, I spend almost stupid amount of time on YouTube Googling the Buffalo or YouTubing the Buffalo Bills to see people break up all the national segments about your specific team. So I'm always over there trying to see what's new while I'm doing dishes or messing around the house. Uh, so every day I'm looking to see the new segments and I watch all of it uh, every single week, no matter what it is, uh, pro football talk, ESPN, the guys I don't like, the Nick Wrights of the world, like every piece of Bills content I can consume along with podcasts and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all about it. And even more so this week, I, I thought going into this week, all that content would ramp up because you only have four teams left. There's two games. And so I thought we'd have just a plethora of just amazing content. One, the content isn't any greater than it was week six, week seven of the NFL season. Like we're still getting, I, in my opinion, the same amount of talk and like you said, dude, it's all this surface level kind of bullshit, frankly. Like Patrick Mahomes is playing. If any of these media people actually believe this, I, I could, I, then they should lose their jobs. I think they're just looking for a story to fill some time in this week without having to dig in deep on a game that matters and break down the game itself or find some real story in this game. They're just taking a surface level thing and trying to ride it out for a few days. Mahomes is playing. The concussion was more of that choke out thing. Like that was never a thing. If anything, let's talk about the toe injury that could be yes. more potential uh, impact to the Sunday game, which I saw some video yes. of him today. It doesn't look as bad at this point, but no talk about that. Uh, and, and then, yeah, to, to the bills, it seems like people are just kind of chalking it up as like the, the bills have succeeded with their season and they're just happy to be here. Right. Like we don't need to talk about the bills and that it's pretty much. And when they are talking about the game, the thing that's also pissing me off. And then I went into great detail about this on our podcast last uh, Wednesday here, this, this Wednesday was when people are talking about this chiefs matchup, they're saying, how can the bills slow down the chiefs offense? How are the bills going to stay in this game? Like basically wording it and phrasing it as if, Goliath we're heading over you know this is David versus Goliath when really this is two heavyweights this is like the primo right. of the NFL this is the, possibly the two best teams you can make an argument for Green Bay but this is it man and I think the question needs to be asked to Kansas City how is Kansas City going to slow down the Buffalo Bills offense how is Kansas City going to keep up in this game because this is as close to a heavyweight fight as we've seen a matchup in such an important game in a really long time yeah, there's no question about it. And, and so we're clear here too, everybody. You know, last week people were picking Baltimore over Buffalo. I'd say maybe 60, 65% of people that I saw picked the Ravens. That felt disrespectful to me. This week, if I see 80, 85% of people picking Kansas City, that's not disrespectful to me. I think they deserve to be the favorites. I'm just talking about, and you hit on this brilliantly, just a lack of coverage. Like the Bills, again, are just like, uh, they're just a little supporting actor that has a bit role in this movie, man. This is a 
13 and 3 team that should have been 14 and 2. They played the Chiefs. They did not they played their worst game of the year in my opinion. Still only lost by 9. You know, I want to one of the things I respect about you Aaron is you're honest. Whether it's something I want to hear or something the audience wants to hear or not, I feel like you don't lie just so you can get more likes on Twitter or get a better reaction to one of your takes. I think you're pretty honest. Well, I, I want to ask you this. I try. Yeah, it's been obvious for a while now that the Bills have had the potential to reach the point that they're at now, which again is one win away from the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. Uh, we've been hearing on TV and stuff for quite a while. I knew, that I felt like they could make it this far, but at what point in this season, was there a specific game or a specific moment maybe where your expectation went from they could make it this far to, you know what, they should make it this far. Because there's a difference saying they could, like Cleveland could have beat Kansas City last week. I don't think anyone had Cleveland in the AFC Championship going into the season. Like the Bills, they could have went this far, but when did it become to you that the Bills should be where they're at right now? The par- the Taron Johnson pick six against Pittsburgh, I think. That moment changed that game and that game changed from we're definitely going to be a playoff team who knows where in the playoffs they're going to land to this could be the second seed in the playoffs and competing for the right to to be in the Super Bowl if you're the second seed you should be in this game um I said it my brother's a Bears fan and we were talking about that matchup and I said dude I got bad news for you like it's gonna be at least three of the top two teams from each conference are going to be in the final four. Like that's just how it shakes out. You always have some other team gets in, but it's usually the top two teams from each conference shake out. So the second they beat Pittsburgh, I knew this was in play. As long as it didn't fall apart and the wheels came off at the end, if they kind of maintained where they were at, which they were able to, that this was in play. Um, And the ability to continue to beat teams by two scores where, you know, people were concerned that they couldn't do that kind of building off of that Pittsburgh win, just can continue to give me more and more confidence. Now I'll, I'll agree with what you said uh, about, I agree that I felt disrespected by people picking Baltimore, but that matchup scared me a lot. I'm not going to lie. Me too. Like, my confidence dipped big time going me into too. that game. I had a lot of confidence about, you know, the Colts, and that they were going to be able to get that monkey off their back and win a playoff game. But getting by Baltimore, this is going to sound crazy, I think really hurt my confidence. And now that they did that, like I feel pretty stupid confident about this game against the Chiefs. We, we can get into the actual matchup of it later, but I feel really confident now. Uh, so after being able to beat them, my confidence of competing in this game went to another level. I'll tell you right now, I wanted – Baltimore to play Kansas City because I thought there was an excellent chance that Baltimore could beat Kansas City. And I said, if we're going to play the Ravens, I want to play in the AFC Championship. I had no fear whatsoever of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zero, none, zilch. I was horrified. I had anxiety. Right now, I'm excited. Last week, I had anxiety all week because I did not want to play the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not afraid to admit that. You know what question I got asked by a couple people? that They asked me, do you feel like the Buffalo Bills are playing with house money right now? And I want to get your take on this, but this was mine. I, I think before the season, and I'm sure we agree on this, I think the expectation for Buffalo realistically was to win the division and win a playoff game because they hadn't done that in 25 years. Now they've won two and win or lose Sunday, 
the Bills, and you've hit on this many times, they seem very well set up for the future. So on one hand, they're that you could say they're playing with house money because I think at this point, a loss still, when you look back, if me and you have a conversation a week from now and the Bills lost, I think we would both call it a successful season. Would you agree with that? Yes. I think they had a successful season the minute they won against the Colts. So okay. going into the year before the season started, we do a podcast and my, I said, these are the things that I'm expecting of the Bills this year. I think I had them as a, a 11 win team. Maybe I can't remember exactly why, but winning the division, getting a home playoff game, winning a home playoff game. Check, check, right. check. That was my, right. that's where I thought this team was at this year. Everything beyond that's cake. Do I want more? Do I want the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Will right. I be annoyed Sunday if it's a close game and they don't make it to the Super Bowl? Yeah. But like you said, when I, when we pull back and you have me on the show after that, at some point, we're going to be able to say, 2020 was a success for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen got to a AFC championship game. Like he went toe to toe with Mahomes, who I think this is going to be a matchup that we see long term for that 10 year window. I talked about that. The Bills are going to be in competition for the AFC championship. Mahomes is going to be right there. This is going to be Kelly Marino. This is going to be one of those big type of battles constantly. And for him to be able to even just get to that point and whether or not they win or lose, I think it will be a success. I keep comparing it to, the Jordan years, you like basketball, the Jordan years of getting to all, all those conference finals and playing the Pistons and getting knocked out by the Pistons. Like that sucks, but sometimes you have to go get to that point to take the next step and to get punched in the mouth by maybe a better player at that time or a better team at that time in yeah. order to get you over that next hump. And so there's a scenario where they lose this game and it's exactly what they need to go on an even better run down the road. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think about that Chicago Bulls analogy an awful lot in in sports, not just with the Bills, with a lot of teams, because that's usually the way it goes. It's not often that a team just comes out of nowhere and wins a Super Bowl, because that's kind of what the Bills would be doing if they were to do that this year. Now, I agree with you. I think even if they lose, even if they lose by 30, we're going to look back and this season was a success. That said, though, going back to the original question I was asked, are we playing with house money? I'm going to say no, we're not because the Bills are not big underdogs to me. And they're not big underdogs to Vegas either on Sunday. This is a winnable game. And when you have a winnable game, that means you got something to lose. To me, you're playing with the house money. That means you ain't got nothing to lose. Nobody thought you were going to be there. You know, this would be like, uh, well, I can't even think of an AFC team because they were, they were stacked this year with the playoffs. Who's a shitty team in the NFC? Washington. If Washington right. got to the NFC championship, they're playing with house money. They ain't got nothing to lose. Ain't nobody expected Washington to be in the NFC championship. We thought, and you talked about it at the Teron Johnson pick against Pittsburgh. This is a 13-3 team. They're not playing with house money, bro, because they do have something to lose because they could win this football game. You know, they're not big underdogs to me. That's what I keep coming back to. So I don't think they're playing with house money for that reason. I disagree. I think... Because I've I've said it a bunch of I think they are playing a little bit with house money. When I think of house money, though, I don't like that I'm just up a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. the Bills are up a little bit. They I do think you know I'm mad that the media isn't giving them the respect they deserve, but there is a little bit of whether it's historical view of this team or what that there's a little bit of hey they're here, good for them. Like to take this step to get there is awesome. 
the pressure is totally on Kansas City in this game. Like they are expected to win. They've been the favorite for the Super Bowl since August. That hasn't wavered. Everybody expects them to win. Everyone has expected Casey to be in the Super Bowl. There was a debate of whether it was going to be the Saints or the Packers, but all those three teams since August have been the expected. This is who's going to be in the Super Bowl. The Bills are kind of the outlier here. Even the Bucks, as soon as they got Brady, that number shot up for them. The the Bills are a little bit of the outlier here, and and so I, I think the pressure's off of them. And that to me is a little bit of house money, right? Like. They're not expected to be here. Nobody's the, – the Chiefs are supposed to win this football game by everyone outside of Buffalo's estimation. So to me, that's house money. Okay, that's fair. I agree with that. Now, when it comes to the Chiefs, let's talk about how you're going to beat this football team. It's easy to, to say you want to win the game or that they can, but you got to come up with how. Now, when it comes to the Chiefs, I think it's, for the most part, widely acknowledged that they're the best team in the NFL. And by the way, let's not forget, they are the defending Super Bowl champions too. You got to knock them off. But they've won nine games this year, including Cleveland last week by one score. In fact, their last eight wins have all been by one score. Uh, I'll run through them real quick. Cleveland by five, Atlanta by three. That game should have went to overtime. Uh, The Saints, they won by three. They beat Miami by six, Denver by six, Tampa by three, the Raiders by four, and the Panthers by two. Why is this team, in your estimation, not blowing teams away. Is it because maybe the, um, you know, kind of like the Lakers get in the NBA during a regular season with like a LeBron team, they get a little disinterested. I don't want, well, maybe disinterested is a strong word, but maybe they're just not up for the games uh, during the regular season because it just seems weird for a team that's as good as the Chiefs to not be able to put basically anyone away because these aren't all good teams on that list. There's a couple shitty ones too. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I've been trying to kind of, get a pulse for it uh, here this week watching them, but they don't, to me, jump out at, off tape like they did a year ago, where if we were playing that Chiefs team, uh, I don't think I'd nearly have the confidence that I do right now. But this Chiefs team, this 2020-2021 Chiefs team, while they're scary and it'll be probably one of the more difficult matchups that the Bills have played this year, definitely in the top three, they don't terrify me in the way that they used to do it. Or even early this season, we're doing it. I think the defense isn't very good. Uh, and almost every metric that you would look at to determine kind of without watching film would also suggest that the defense isn't very good. So I, I think there's some of that. Uh, yeah, they've given up. They've given up uh, 20 points or more 10 times this year. Yeah. And they, statistically, they're 31st. And, you know, people talk about how bad the Bills rushing defenses bills are i think for dvoa here i got it right here dvoa the bills rush defense is 17 so not great middle middle of the pack they're 31st uh they're 16th in pass they're 24 overall weighted defense uh 11th overall in special teams like this isn't a team on paper to me that jumps off as again this isn't a david versus goliath this is two really good offenses and i think the bills have the edge on defense so I, i think the problem for them is and they faced it a little bit last year where the defense wasn't great, but they made timely plays and they played well in the playoffs just enough to get by. But they didn't jump off the screen to me, even in that Cleveland game. I mean, Baker made a few mistakes. The Again, Higgins' ball going out of the end zone really hurt Cleveland in that game. And, and that wasn't a mistake that the Chiefs, you know, that was just a mistake that Cleveland made. That wasn't anything that the Chiefs necessarily did. So I, I don't see how this is some... Um, 
big time juggernaut team. I don't get what why they're not able to put teams away in the way that they were a year ago. Mahomes is playing just as good as he was. Tyreek Hill hasn't lost a step. Kelsey's the best tight end I've ever seen play football. Sure. All the pieces are there. They've got some new pieces along the offensive line. That may have something to do with it. The running game, even though we saw it explode a little bit against Cleveland, hasn't been as effective. And but they obviously Buffalo invited them to run, which is another annoying narrative here this week when you listen to some people that clearly didn't watch the game or the post game press conferences because they say, "Oh, they they just ran all over Buffalo," as if Buffalo didn't invite that uh, opportunity for them to run. But uh, outside of those games, you haven't really seen a dynamic run. Uh, offense from Kansas City so I think there's a number of things I don't think they're a complete team I think they can be a one-dimensional team uh, at moments and so that might be why they're not able to play I think you have to have more well Buffalo's not a great rush offense team they have the ability to be productive when they need to in in the rush game and uh, they're more well-rounded I think the Bills defense is better and that is what allows you to beat teams by 10 or more well, I look back to their one loss. So the, the formula to beating the team, to find that, you kind of got to go to the one team that did beat them this year, and that's the Raiders. Now, they lost at the uh, end of the season to the Chargers, but I'm not counting that because Mahomes didn't play, Hill didn't play, Kelsey didn't play. There were other guys. The loss of the Raiders. So in week five, they lost 40-32. to 32. And this is where, and again, this is a long time ago, but this is where I kind of draw some confidence from a Buffalo perspective with this because. The key to that game for the Raiders, and I went back and looked at a lot of notes. I read a couple of uh, recaps, looked at the stats, and the Raiders beat the Chiefs mainly by big plays. Uh, Derek mm-hmm. Carr threw for 347 yards, three touchdowns, was only sacked once, one pick. He had three passes of over 40 yards that game. Two of them went for touchdowns. Uh, Ruggs caught two passes for 118, including a 72-yard catch. That's got John Brown running all over it for me. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar had two catches for 67 yards. He had a 59-yard catch, too. Uh, Waller did some damage, five for 48, which I don't expect that much from the Bills tight end. And Jacobs, you said run the ball reasonably well. Well, Jacobs ran for 77 yards. Now, he did score two touchdowns, but they beat him basically through the air. Derek Carr had a monster game. The Raiders had 490 yards, and they controlled the ball for over 35 minutes. That reeks for me. Uh, to the formula to stopping them. And of course, for that to happen, Josh Allen has to play better against the Chiefs than he did the first time. And I'm not going to ask you, is he going to? Because I know you're going to say yes, as you should, because he's going to. But that first game, would you say that was his worst game of the year? Because I, th- I definitely think it was his worst game of the year. Yeah, I think it was absolutely his worst game of the year. Yeah, he only threw for 122 yards and he had two touchdowns to do a pick. Um, yeah, and they everything went bad for them that game. And they still lost only 26-17. Again, obviously, Josh Allen has to be better. Uh, Stephon Diggs, that first matchup, was held. And I use kind of air quotes here because he's so good that him having a six for 46 and a touchdown stat line, that's almost shitty for him. Right. Um, John Brown didn't even play. Cole Beasley only had four for 45. Singletary only ran for 32 yards. Moss only had 10. And the Bills only uh, possessed the ball for 22 minutes. Also, by the way, it's worth noting Matt Milano didn't play that game, and that's a big factor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about that Chiefs game, and how it annoys you the narrative because they did run for a shitload of yards, 240 yards or 245 yards on 46 carries. If you're Leslie Frazier right now, and we talked about him earlier, what kind of game plan are you coming up with? Are you going to invite this team 
to do what they did last time? Because you can make a strong case that if the offense played better, they still, the Bills win. What's your defensive strategy right now? If you're Aaron Quinn, defensive coordinator, what are you coming up with right now? Yeah, I I don't look at the Raiders game as a blueprint for success against the Chiefs. Those divisional games are weird anyway, as we know. Uh, the, those ones can get just really weird on teams. I look at the Bills game plan that they brought out against the Chiefs the last time as the blueprint for how you do have a chance to beat this Chiefs team. Uh, I think the execution of the game plan had some problems to it. Like you said, Matt Milano was out. That's de- devastating to his defense. When you look at the, the defensive statistics and every metric and even popping out on film, even when Klein was playing better, which was not in this Chiefs game, it was weeks later, uh, right. we, we were ready to run him out of town uh, during this Chiefs run. In part, in part because it was in part because of the Chiefs game where Absolutely. we were ready to run A.J. Klein out of town. This is a completely di- different defense with Milano. Go ahead. Yes, it's a totally different defense with Milano. Uh, I think some people probably forget Tremaine Edmonds was hurt there he was going through that shoulder injury which was very real you've seen the improvement of him as he's healed from that injury levi wallace was out which i know not everyone loves levi but he's pretty good like especially against the run he's one of the he's actually according to pff's tackling efficiency is the best tackler on the buffalo bills and especially in the run game Taron Johnson was in the middle of a, a slump early in the year where he actually got benched for Cam Lewis in that game. Cam Lewis got hurt early in the game and Taron came back in, but Taron was still kind of in the middle of a slump then. Again, mm-hmm. one of the better run defenders on this team. Uh, Harrison Phillips was, I, I don't even remember if he played in that game, but he was a borderline being active, not active during that run. Uh, wasn't fully healed from his ACL injury. His return to this defense was huge against the Ravens and that rush attack. Uh, totally different front seven from this Bills team than we saw week six. So I think, you know, if I'm Leslie Frazier, I'm looking at that game plan and looking at what went wrong with it. And it wasn't the plan. It was the execution. It was poor tackling. It was a number of things. I'm not saying roll out that exact plan. Uh, I'm saying, you know, you you kind of go with that base idea of if they're going to take the run again, let's invite the run because it did limit their scoring. We have to trust that our offense isn't going to lay an egg again. Uh, we have to trust that the weather isn't going to be what it was that night, which was a sloppy, wet Western New York fall right. evening, uh, which didn't help the offense. And Josh's shoulder was hurt. Like all these things were really just stacked up against the Bills. And kind of flipping over to the offense, John Feliciano wasn't back yet. Uh, Cody Ford was still in at guard. Brian Winters was at the other. Like this offense, while they were putting up points early in the season, was not the offense that we've seen here through this last stretch. Like they got their offensive line back. They the Diggs and Allen connection it, it just got better as the year went on. Beasley got more involved in this offense. So to look back at that week six loss and then when you really dive into it outside of the game plan and strategy there was a number of times Tremaine Edmonds had his hand you know inches away from a pick before the half ended which would have had him already in field goal range before the half ended uh Josh Norman dropped one that would have been a pick early uh, early in the third quarter uh when the game was still within reach was within three they missed a field goal which it was a 52 yarder but they still they missed it there was a number of plays uh, specifically in the third quarter, they were still down by three with a minute 20 left in the third quarter. Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket. It's like a third and four, third and five, third and six. He gets out. Three Bills defenders have him dead to rights, including Tremaine Edmonds. And he just kind of like pauses, stops, and then lunges forward and gets it to fourth and one. On the very next play, they scored a touchdown, and that puts the game away right there. It, it, the 
game of football just comes down to plays like that sometimes. So I think people look at the game and how bad the offense played and how much KC ran the ball and think, well, KC dominated that game. But when you go back and I've watched that game now 10 times in coaches film, just frustrated. There's so many opportunities for the bills to win that game. It's not even funny. And I got done watching that Cleveland Browns, Kansas city game Sunday and immediately my fan reaction, I looked at my wife, I was like, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. That's it, we're going we're gonna to win this game. I thought that it would calm down as the week went on and I watched and prepped for our show that I'd pull back from that take and I'd find stuff that's, oh no, like when I was watching the Ravens, dude, the more I watched the Ravens, the worse it felt. I was like, oh man, there's no way we're going to stop this team. The more I watch that game and the Chiefs this year, the more confidence I've gotten that I think a game plan like that with some tweaks to it and some tweaks to what they did offensively really is the blueprint to beat this team. I have to be completely honest, man. I think the Kansas city chiefs are a much better, not much better. I think they're the better football team than Baltimore, but I'm more confident against Kansas city than I was against Baltimore. I did not think we we're going to beat Baltimore. I'm just, I gotta be honest, man. I thought the season was going to end last week and it didn't. And it could end Sunday, but I'm very confident. Let me ask you about injuries because I think these are concerned for both teams. Uh, again, we're not going to, I don't want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. He's playing. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who played a huge, he ran for 161 yards against the Bills the first time. Hasn't played in three weeks. He's got a hip and an ankle. He's been limited at practice all week. The expectation is that he should be able to go, but who knows how long he was he limited last. last week too. Uh, yeah. and then it was a, I think a game time decision didn't end up playing. Yeah. yeah. Sammy Watkins is still limited with a calf. And, uh, I don't think the chiefs are too worried about him, but, um, Richard Breland, the corner, he's in concussion protocol. So it's not like the chiefs don't have other injury concerns, but on the other side of the field right now, uh, you got, you got to have some concern about Buffalo. Gabe Davis has not practiced this week as of, uh, Thursday night with an ankle. That's worrisome. Um, Beasley was not on the injury report on Wednesday, but he's back on Thursday. So his knees bothering him. I think he's going to go, but he's obviously not a hundred percent. Maybe we see Kenny Stills for the first time by the year, or I should say, uh, this year, this weekend. And then, you know, I didn't even, when I was doing Bill's previews last week shows, I didn't even talk about, uh, Devin Singletary, or I should say, I didn't talk about Zach Moss. He's obviously done for the year. I think that might be a more significant injury than I gave credit for at first. He was becoming the Bills' number one back. I, I think the Bills were getting more comfortable with him. And one of my concerns, besides the injuries, like I really hope Gabriel Davis could play, is I, I'm not, it's not that I don't think Devin Singletary could have a good game against the Chiefs. I'm just not sure that the Bills trust him. I mean, it was, I'm not saying it was because they don't trust him, Aaron, but I don't, did he even have a carry in the first half? I know a lot of them just play call pass after pass after pass. He either had one carry or no carries in the first half of that Baltimore game. I don't know how much they trust their running game without Zach Moss. That's what I'm getting at right now. How concerned f- are you speaking generally about the Bills injuries? Well, to to talk about Moss for a second, I'm bummed also that he got hurt. But I, to be fair, I don't know that I trusted Zach Moss all that much more. Um, the, the inability to convert some of those third and shorts against Indy, uh, that's what he has to do, right? That's his kind of role is to be able to convert those third and shorts. So he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, I was expecting him to pop at some point this season and become 
take really take over that number one running back thing. And I just never saw it. I think some of the, it's on the interior offensive line. I don't think they've been done a great job in run blocking uh, to look at Singletary's uh, performance against the Ravens or lack of touches. I think some of that has to do with what they did the week before to uh, Derrick Henry and the, the Titans rushing offense. I think the bills just kind of stayed away from it. I think there is potential for, Singletary to have a big game here but that's why they brought Devonta Freeman in for a reason I, I think that there maybe is some concern internally that he's not the guy that can do it all and that they need to find some production at that position I'm worried about Gabe Davis uh the the way you really stress an aggressive defense like Kansas City's is to have all your weapons Gabe, Gabe Davis is a legitimate weapon but this is why they got the insurance card in Keddy Stills and he's a protected uh, practice squad guy here this week. I fully expect him to be elevated if Gabe Davis is what I would assume is probably a game time decision this week. And I think that there's a good chance that we see Kenny Stills. This is why you got a guy like that with proven NFL production. You don't want to rely on Duke Williams or Jake Kumaro in the AFC championship game. You want a guy that's been out there, has proven NFL production. So this, this is why you pulled that insurance card. Beasley, I I'm worried about from the sense that he hasn't looked the same, obviously, uh, coming back. He didn't back get your pass injury. against the Ravens. He didn't get your pass. That was Marlon Humphreys. Sure. I a think lot. It, nasty. And he was on him a lot out sure. of the slot. And if there's, you know, everybody talks about nobody can guard Cole Beasley. If there's a slot guy in the league that can, it's going to be Marlon Humphrey. Um, so I, I, some of it had to do with that. I think they tried to take Beasley away, specifically on third downs. I think they tried to get Josh to pick somebody else you know and and eliminate that third down Beasley um I think him not being on the injury report on what was it Tuesday Wednesday was it Wednesday yeah so yesterday and then he he popped up on Thursday when he went on the I think they were all in red jerseys on Wednesday so I think it was just a simple non-contact walkthrough so that might be why he wasn't on because he could do everything as a full participant and, and nothing was wrong probably ramping up as the week goes on. So it's probably back to normal where he should have been. Uh, so the, yeah, there's concern. I don't know that Beasley is going to be the same player that he's been this entire time, but I'd rather I'll take a 65, 70% Beasley over any guys below him right now on the roster. So there's some concerns. Uh, I think the Diggs oblique thing is nothing. Obviously he's still producing hundred yard football games every single time he gets out on the field. So yeah, there's some concerns. I think relatively though, the bills have been super lucky or just good at managing injuries this year. Really nothing major significant to any of their super key contributors. That was long-term at all. Like pretty much everyone's been able to play for the year that mattered the most. I think Kenny Stills obviously is a good insurance policy, but I really hope Gabriel Davis plays. That drop against Baltimore side, he's been very good. And, oh, and I yeah. still can't get, yo, we might not be talking about this right now were it not for Gabe Davis in that one drive against Indy near the end of the second quarter where he toe dragged not once, but twice. So I really hope he can go. Um, and again, I mentioned this earlier. Let's not forget John Brown did not play against Kansas City. Either he didn't play or he didn't catch a pass because he was hurt, one or the other. But he did nothing against the Chiefs um, all the way back in uh, week five. He had a nice game anyway, last week. Yeah, absolutely. He was the only other thing besides Diggs who, uh, who did anything. But anyway, so here's how we're going to end. It's prediction time. I'll save yours for last. Let me go first because I want to get yours last. I am. I, I think this, I, the big key is for me, 
with this game is the first, like, maybe 22 minutes. I'm concerned about how the Bills come out in an AFC Championship game on the road. They're, they haven't been in this position before. Again, the Chiefs, for all their things that we've pointed out that make them beatable, they still have the best quarterback on earth, in my opinion. And again, more even more importantly, they're battle-tested in these situations. This is their third straight championship game, and they're defending Super Bowl champs. You got to respect that. I'm concerned about the first like quarter and a half. I think the Bills might have to withstand something early on. The Chiefs come out really hot. By the way, you know what? Let me get off this for a second, Aaron, because I just remember something from the Chiefs-Browns uh, game that bothered me last week. Maybe you're going to disagree because the Bills' defense is better and Sean McDermott trusts them. If you remember, the Browns won the toss and deferred. If I'm the Buffalo Bills on Sunday and I win the toss, I want the football. I want to take the ball and I want to go down the field. I want to score first. So I'll point that out. When you go to your prediction, I'll get your, uh, your take on that as well. But I think the first 22 minutes are big. Don't get put in a 14, 16 point hole in the first, on the road in the first quarter and a half. Play them tough early on. And I think if the Bills can get to late in the second quarter where they're right there, I really like their chances very, very, very much in the second half. So to me, that's the key. And I think they're going to do that. And one other thing too, <laughs> my house is a little bit divided, Aaron. I, I have to say this too. I got to acknowledge it. Um, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know me. Damone Harris plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Dude's like family to me. Well, he's, he's not active. Actually, he's technically on the practice squad right now. So my nephew lives with me here in Florida. That's literally Damone's best friend. Like he's his best man at his wedding coming up. So my nephew wants the Chiefs to win. He don't really, he's younger. He don't really give a shit that much about the tradition of the Bills. You know what I mean? His boy plays for the Chiefs. He wants him to win another Super Bowl. So I got one Chiefs fan in the house. If the Chiefs do win, I hope they win the Super Bowl. But I ain't going that far. I love you, Damone Harris. You're my guy, but I don't want you to win. And you're not going to win. <laughs> That's my prediction. I don't have a score. I think the Bills are going to win this game. You ready for this? By two scores. I don't know what the score is going to be or by how much, but the Bills are going to win this football game by two scores. That's my prediction. So let me get yours. And again, I want your take before your prediction. If you're Sean McDermott, you win the coin toss. What are you doing? I typically defer. I really do. I think it, it's I a do tough too. one. Typically, yes. It's a tough one because I do think the Bills take a driver or two defensively to settle in. Um, mm-hmm. But I, the chances of then having the ball for a chance to double dip are increased. And I love the opportunity to double dip at halftime. And that sometimes makes all the difference in the world. Um I think I'd still go with what I've done. I think Sean McDermott's the kind of guy that's not going to switch stuff up incredible in this game to try to outsmart himself. And if they win, I think he's going to go with what he would normally do. Um, You're right. Hold on. Not to cut you off. You're right. I agree. So having said that, I hope that the Chiefs win the toss. Because I want the football first. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think there's a fair argument for it, especially against this team. Um, In terms of how I see this game going, I, I think you are pretty spot on when you talk about the final score. I haven't gotten to a two score game, but I was there early in the week. And that was the first thing I said to my wife. I was like, the, you know, the bills are going to the super bowl. And not only that, they're going to win by 10. 
or more. Uh, and, and was super confident in that. I've pulled it down a little bit, um, mostly because I sort of stay in line with Vegas. I'm over Vegas on this particular matchup, but Vegas is really good at what they do. Uh, there's a reason there's a lot of beautiful buildings built there with all of our money. Um, I think actually I, I have a sort of a disagreement how this game is going to go. I think the bills are pretty juiced up to come out in this game and are, or have that chip on their shoulder of being the underdog. And I think they come out and jump out a little bit early and I don't know. I think the chiefs can put up points and keep the game going um, where some other teams probably couldn't, but I think that the Bills match them at every point. I think every time the Chiefs do put up a point uh, or put something up, the, the Bills come right back and match it. And ultimately, I have it uh, 31-24, Bills win, uh, and, and they're kneeling it out at the end comfortably uh, with you know the taking the Lamar Hunt Trophy out of out of Kansas City and bringing it home to Buffalo. I'm going to even elaborate a little bit. So I got the Bills up somewhere between 9 to 16 points because I said two scores. The Chiefs are going to be threatening to get it, cut it to one score inside four minutes. And Levi Wallace is going to have the game-winning takeaway. I'll be insufferable if that happens. <laughs> Taryn's already vindicated all my subpar Bills players' takes for a long time. That's my man. <laughs> Last question here, and then I'm going to let you go. So. You and I both are picking the Bills. And by the way, I don't think we're just rooting for the Bills because that's obvious. I think we both, I know I do, and I get a strong sense you do as well. We legitimately think the Bills can and will win this football game. That said, all right, Bills are in the Super Bowl, dude. Who are you going to play? So this one for me is probably going to differ from a lot of Bills fans uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I want the Packers. Uh, I want them for a few reasons. One, my dad's a lifelong Packers fan. Always been a, a big Packers fan. And we've been talking about this now for months. Uh, he picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl when he saw them starting to get hot. And I think he's been pretty convinced that the Packers are going and would love to see that in his lifetime of Bills versus Packers Super Bowl. I mean, these two teams have never really been good at the same time, at least not in our lifetime. So it's, there's a part of me that wants that ability to have that even though my dad and I won't be able to go to the game or we're not even in the same state. So we won't be able to view it together. It's just something I want for us Uh, Two, if the bills are able to beat Mahomes, and then they go to the Super Bowl, they would be playing through the last Josh Allen would be up against the last three MVPs in a row, right? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and most likely Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a cool underlying story. Third, I do not want to listen to the, two weeks after this game about how Tom Brady destroyed the bills for whatever, 15 to 18 years of their success in new England and that the bills have to overcome this demon. I did the, We've seen how surface level the media can be, which we talked about earlier in the show. I can't put up with two weeks of that one storyline over and over. I get the idea of exercising that demon and how great it would be to be Brady. I don't think I could tolerate two weeks of idiot media people having that story over and over again. I agree with every single thing you said, right down to the fact that I want to play green Bay. I don't want to play Tampa Bay. I don't want, it's not that I'm afraid of Tom Brady, but you know what? The super bowls that Tom Brady won with new England, they're all news to me. I don't care. All right. He didn't beat the bills in the super bowl. Tampa doesn't need to be playing in their home stadium. I want to play the Packers. It'd just be a hell of a fun game. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, cover one Buffalo podcast. 
You guys will be on live after the Bills game on Sunday, win or lose. Yep. If Aaron does or Greg doesn't have a heart attack uh, during the game, follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716. Don't bother Facebook requested him. He ain't having it. But no. <laughs> Thanks so much, buddy. I, look, it's been a, a fun ride. Hopefully it's not over. Hopefully I'll have you on sometime in the next two weeks to talk about a Super Bowl. But regardless, it's been a, a fun season and I really enjoy having you on the podcast, man. Thanks so much as always. I appreciate it, man. Hey, go Bills. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very big thank you one more time. Aaron Quinn, Cover One Buffalo Podcast. I've had him on this show a million times. Hopefully, I'll have him a million more because he's one of my favorites. Love talking Buffalo Bills. You know what? I love talking about all kinds of stuff with Aaron. Again, one of my favorites. So, thank you very much, Aaron. Guys, girls, do you enjoy this podcast? Have you subscribed to it? If you have not, please go ahead and do that right now. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Listen Notes. If there's anything that does podcasting, we're on it. So subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really takes you, what, I don't know, maybe 12 seconds total to do that. And it really helps me continue to grow the show tremendously. I really mean that. So please subscribe if you have not, if you have not yet already. I'll get that right. I'm also on YouTube. Talk about Flow Podcast's YouTube channel. Highlight clips from current and past episodes are up there. Going to have some original content that you'll only find on that channel. And that's coming real soon. So talk about Flow Podcast on YouTube. Then, of course, last but not least, follow us on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'm always on Twitter. You know that already, though. If you're on Twitter and you follow me, you already know that. I'm always on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so, so much for listening. Guys, I'm so excited. I'm having a hard time even talking right now. All I'm thinking about is Sunday. That's it. But anyway, thank you so much. I really, truly appreciate all of you who listen. So many great shows out there. You're locked into this one. That does not go unnoticed to me. It means a lot. So thank you very much. Have a good, safe weekend. Let me emphasize that word safe. Be safe. Do the right thing, wear your mask, be careful, social distance, and of course, most importantly, go Bills.